Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Search Engine Nerds. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today we're going to be joined by Viola Eva, owner of Flow SEO and world-renowned expert in SEO. She's going to be talking to us about content creation, specifically from an SEO standpoint, um, how to approach content creation, and I think you're going to love this episode. Hey, Viola, uh, great to have you on the show. Really excited to uh, have you join us today. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here as well. Awesome. So I've heard you speak, and you're also an author, uh, you know, a contributor on Search Engine Journal. And, um, you know, you're really kind of one of the leaders in, in, in the mindset of SEO. And one of, the, one of the things that I think is super, super important right now um, is content, right? I mean, we've always talked about content being super important, but content today is probably more important than it's ever been, uh, especially with the kind of continued uh, path that Google's taking with, you know, reducing uh, the amount of content they show and with people getting better about really converting people. It's, um, it's really become super important. However, you know, we create probably way too much of it and at a, at a way too low quality um, and, and often for many of the wrong reasons, right? We, we, we needed content for freshness. We needed content for the long tail. That has evolved and really the mindset around content for most people hasn't evolved. But this is something that you actually speak a bit about, that you write about, that you're extremely passionate about. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, to come on the show basically and talk to us a little bit about content, talk to us about content creation, specifically for SEO. Um, and, and to start off, I just kind of wanted to get a bit about your philosophy. How do you approach content creation in today's SEO space? Absolutely. You're, you're exactly right. Content and content creation and content marketing is, is one of my passions. And two things that I really care about is actually data-driven SEO and making a data-driven content strategy and making smart decisions. But I also really care about mindful marketing. And that seems like a contradiction because we used to talk about content marketing and then we used to talk about SEO content. And what I think today is there's not really such a thing as SEO content, right? Good content is, is content that is well-researched, that is providing value, you know, that is solving a problem, that is satisfying a need. And that's content that users love, and that's also Google loves. Um, that being said, I do think a lot of people kind of forget their homework in terms of content creation, especially some brands who have a really strong voice, a really strong message or story to tell. They sometimes forget to do their SEO homework, to getting their on-page SEO right, um, but in my opinion, there's really a three-step framework to creating a sustainable you know, content strategy that satisfies quality as well as the user. And I do think one part is what you want to communicate. One part is what people are searching for. And the third part is what Google favors. And if we can get all those three parts right and navigate that space, then this is where engagement happens, rankings happen, and, and, and ultimate business success. Absolutely. So, so what are the, you, you said you had the three parts, right? So what, what right. are the three areas that you kind of focus on? You, you had mentioned like what you want to communicate, the people you're looking for, and then what, you know, works for SEO, what Google favors. Right. So the first part is um, what you want to communicate, right? And that's normally where business owners and brands, if they did their branding homework, that is, and have a really strong opinion, right? They, they know what, to, what they want to bring across. They know their story. And um, 
oftentimes they create content, you know, without any keyword research, without really thinking about, you know, the benefits that SEO could have. And if you think about the cost of content creation, especially good content creation, I think um, many people are missing the opportunity. And I saw that you had um, Tim Solo on the podcast before, and he mm -hmm. talks about that a lot that brands and business owners, they tend to create content that no one is searching for. Or they tend to create content for really high difficulty keywords. And then they never manage to get sustainable growth and organic traffic. So this is what you communicate. I think it's very important to be distinct, to bring across your USP, to bring across your vision. But you need to compare it with SEO metrics in order to make it really successful. So, so quick question: You're talking about like the passion of the content, the business owner creating content right. that really speaks to your audience, but then also matching it up with SEO. A lot of times, what people are doing um, is they're either keeping it internal and they're trying to guess at that, or they're hiring an SEO or something to, or a company that creates like content. Do you need to have? Uh, the the passion involved, even if you're outsourcing your content, because a lot of people, uh, you know, are outsourcing. And, and how do they, you know, do they need to keep that connection with the the owners and with the people who are passionate? How do you kind of balance that? Um, in my opinion, I really like working with companies that have, you know, at least a brand guide, a style guide, ideally some sort of tone of voice or an understanding of who their target audience is, because it does really help to create a certain style and kind of like hit the point with the content. I often also work with my clients, like they share materials with me or articles that they like or research that they've done. And basically um, that just allows me and my team to create more precise content. And that's something that I would always recommend, kind of allowing brands and business owners to have, have that input and bring in that insider knowledge that sometimes um, content writers don't don't have um, from the start. Is that something you set up from an expectation standpoint right from the beginning? You're like, look, if we're going to work together, you have to have these things or is it just nice to have? Is it something that SEO should push for or is it something that they just should ask for? It's, it's something that I'm pushing for quite a lot because in my experience, external content creation normally does not work out if you don't have that in place. And normally what I do in terms of expectation settings, I'm very, very clear that normally creating, you know, the first one, two or three content pieces normally takes a lot more work than creating the 10th, 15th or 20th. Because with the first couple of content pieces, you're just really trying to refine the style and just get it right. So people know that when they work with me that probably in the beginning they have to do a bit of the heavy lifting in content creation. And then as we get to know each other, as the process, you know, smoothens out, then content production gets really easy and efficient and we're just smashing out more and more content. So you're looking and, at... Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and one thing I just wanted to say is um, because I really care kind of like of the style of content as well as kind of SEO metrics because that's the other thing, right? What SEOs often do is they do keyword research and they find great search volume and they find great opportunities. And sometimes that really doesn't sit that well with marketing managers or, or you know, brand responsible people. Because if you go and recommend a luxury hotel in San Francisco, hey, you should rank for best hotel SF, they're going to be mad because that doesn't match their messaging. They, they don't want to call their boutique luxury hotel best hotel. It's just too brutal. And I think that kind of shows one of the issues that SEOs and marketing managers have in their corporation. Also on that note, best, I think it's one of the worst queries uh -huh. because it's so, it's so misused for SEO 
And it's one of the ones that really highlights why SEOs and content creators um, are misaligned because best for whom, right? If we yeah. think about luxury hotel, you know, best hotel for family is different to best hotel for honeymoon than, you know, best hotel for a business trip. So yeah, that's really a query that needs more love well, and that, not just high search volume. Well, that's also a problem because you have so many people that have kind of, it's one of those things where whenever you're trying to find out what is the proper data, you have, you know, skewed data because people are, you know, so people will go look at, oh, let's analyze the top headlines, right? And they always come right. back and they say, well, best and biggest and greatest and amazing. These are words that you should have in your title because right. that's what everybody, you know, that's the statistics on the, t the things. But we know that that's not necessarily always the best, right? You know, right. The, and especially when you start getting into content marketing and you start getting into, you know, a lot more, you know, savvy internet users, it opens the door for debate, Right. Right. Um, and you set and you set people up for either agreeing or, or not agreeing instead of you know getting a more middle ground. And it's 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 very easy to actually create a satisfying piece for a best query or for a review query if you just state, you know, best for whom, right? Yeah. If you write, you know, sports watch and then you know it could be different whether you're climbing or whether you're swimming or whatever, and then you just state the purpose and kind of like highlight different use cases. That actually makes a really good best article, but most people don't do that and they just state best as 10 best for everyone. But if you're marketing to everyone, you're marketing to no one, right? And pe people are catching up on that. So, so before we jump into kind of like what people are searching for and looking into some of that information, um, there's a question I think a lot of people have right now um, uh, on the concept that you're making all this content, right? Um, freshness from a content standpoint is not the same as it was in the past, right? And, right. and, and long tail is not the same. And I mean, to be honest, right. Google's pretty much got this figured out. They're not looking for you to help them anymore. And so do right. you think that, you know, we're, you know, especially if we start looking at content trimming and curation, right? And we start talking about right. de-indexing content and seeing really good results from that. Um, getting rid right. of your fluff. So should should people be writing less? Um, the beautiful consultant answer is it depends. And it really depends on the stage of in which your website is at. If you're having a brand new website that you just created, you know, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I do think you should be pushing for content creation really hard and scale that up because basically your website doesn't have any meat on their bones. And sometimes I get really thin websites and then I'm really pushing for content creation as well. It's different with enterprise level websites and age websites and big websites. And in that case, I'm very much a fan of content upgrades and reworking content and, you know, and migrating content pieces into one, et cetera, et cetera. So it really depends a little bit on where the website is at. But what you said with the long tail, I think it's exactly right. Because um, today, a content piece can be ranking for so many variations, so many long tail keywords, where five years ago, you would be writing five different blog posts. And today, you can cover them all in the same. And it kind of leads to the topic of like keyword cannibalization. And my philosophy is always, one page per keyword cluster, right? If you're writing underground techno clubs Berlin and, you know, two years later you kind of have the same content idea again, I absolutely recommend updating the first post, making it better, making it fresher, making it longer, instead of creating a second one that competes for the same keyword string. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've seen so much of people saying, you know, saying, look, have 15, 20 really cornerstone pieces, you know, establish yourself, um, and, and, you know, as a, as a leader in this survey or this topic or this white paper or this really good article, keep it updated. Uh, on a regular basis, and you'll actually accomplish quite a bit more than writing a different variation of the same article every other week, right? Absolutely. And I, I'm very much a fan of the evergreen content or cornerstone content or thought leadership content or however you want to call it. I do think it's important to have a few topically relevant supporting articles because oftentimes if you just have one big piece sitting there and it doesn't have any supporting articles, it doesn't have any internal links pointing to it, obviously that also doesn't work. But generally speaking, I do think uh, less is more. That being said, um, not every query deserves a skyscraper, right? Um, so if it's a very transactional query that normally is more found you know, for a category page or product page, you don't necessarily need to slap 2,000 words on your product description to you know, make an evergreen content piece out of this. But for a lot of you know, informational queries, how-to, definition, that type of thing, I do think super long, super in-depth content is the way to go. Absolutely. So when, when we go to kind of the next phase, right, we know what we're writing for, we want to, you know, make our, our, you know, we really want to get past the, like, trip the system and get into, the, like, what's really useful for your, you know, your, your customers. Um, but then you're right. also saying, like, let's start determining what people are searching for, right? You want to, you know, identify areas of opportunity. What's your approach to kind of figuring out, you know, what people are looking for? Right. So I think... There, there, there's a few things to it. Um, firstly, I'm still a massive fan of keyword research. I think it's it's not overused. It's beautiful and magical. And, and if, if you're creating content without a keyword research, you should definitely be doing it. I think today, um, obviously, determining search traffic and how much search volume is in what type of queries is still super relevant and a necessary step of building your content strategy. I do think as tools, um, for example, like Ahitress, they now have like an estimated traffic um, metric, which kind of accounts for the appearance of maps, uh, ads, and feature snippets. So that's the second metric that I would recommend including in the keyword research today to give you a bit more of an understanding what an organic position one really means for that monthly search volume. But generally speaking, yeah, I'm a massive fan of keyword research and spending a good amount of time on that before actually diving into the content production. And, and uh, honestly speaking, it gets a little chaotic uh, to try to look at keyword research, right? You have so many tools, you have so many different angles, you have so many different, you know, am I going to go and look at all the recommendations from Google, like, the, oh, you searched this, or you should try this search, right? These suggested searches. Or am I looking right. at search volumes and I comparing to PPC, you know, projections? Like, what we, we there's so many things out there, and I haven't kept up with all of it. And I'm sure you know that most people listening haven't kept up with it all, or just right. know, know their own space. What would you say are some of the good tools, the good sources for finding some of this keyword research? Right. Um. I think kind of the 80-20 um, of keyword research still is monthly search traffic, obviously, and then keyword difficulty. And keyword difficulty kind of in comparison to what the keywords you're currently ranking for um, have. So for example, if all the keywords that you're ranking on page one for all have a keyword difficulty, 
let's say in a hrefs between you know 20 and 30 you know that you can easily choose new target keywords in a similar keyword difficulty range because you've proven yourself for that difficulty keyword if you have a very young site i would always start start um, super long tail super low difficulty so i, I think that's still the 80 20 um, is choosing topics not only on search volume but also on keyword difficulty. And we're going to talk a little bit you know, further in a conversation how keyword difficulty has evolved and how much more we know about page one today. Um, well, that's, then generally, that's interesting yeah, because you, you talk about difficulty. Just to clarify for anybody who's listening who doesn't understand, we're talking about how difficult it would be for you to rank with, you know, for, for that phrase. So if you're talking about something like best you know, two-seater cars for kids versus cars. You know, there, right. there's a difficulty of ranking for cars because of all the competitive nature, and that's what keyword difficulty would mean, correct? Correct, and that's the interesting part about it. There's this interesting saying which says, it's not Google that's ranking your website, it's your competitor, which means that every keyword has a different competitiveness, a different difficulty and depending how well the rest of the pages is optimized the harder or the easier it's going to be for you you know to compete with that and this is why studying page one which is kind of the third part what google favors and also keyword difficulty is so extremely relevant because it allows you to understand where the sweet spot is where you actually going to have impact so we've gone through, you know, really keeping ourselves to the core of what our customers want, right? We're, we're incorporating the brand messaging, the vision, we understand our audience. So we've kind of decided the content areas that we want to talk about. We've looked at right. the, you know, we've looked at the data, the keyword research to determine what areas of opportunity are there and where we need to kind of maybe adjust this conversation to fit for what people are looking for. The last part, you know, that you were talking about was kind of looking at how Google looks at it, how what Google favors, like uh, where, right. where the keyword elements actually come into play. Um, can you describe or explain a little bit more on that part of the, the process? Absolutely. This is my passion and something I've studied a lot in the last year or two. And also I spoke about that um, when we saw each other at Ungagged. Yeah. Um, so Google's algorithm is an algorithm. That's what one of my friends, Kyle Ruth, an SEO said. And it sounds overly simplistic, but in a way, it's really, really true. Because when we're creating all this content, we're hoping for it to rank. And in order to rank, we need to understand what that means. Because what Google wants to return to page one is the most relevant answer. Now, Google is an algorithm, which means it cannot process content the way we do. It processes content mainly based on ranking factors. And the more ranking factors you optimize, the more relevant you are in Google's eyes. This is why it's so important to do your SEO homework once you've written a great content piece. Like, um, I still believe that even you know, boring, mundane tasks like updating your headline one and your page title are crucial. And that is because um, we talk about AI, we talk about natural language processing, but at the core of it, Google's Algorithm is an algorithm and it you know, um, estimates relevance based on ranking factors. And that's a very complicated and convoluted process and people think it's black magic or at least it's a black box and we don't really understand what's going on and how the algorithm works. So my hypothesis is that you don't really need to understand the process you know, of how the query is being processed, how intent is being matched, how it's being filtered. 
you don't really need to understand the entire process, but what you need to understand is input and output, cause and effect, right? So we already know what Google wants to see. People always think like SEO strategy is somehow a secret. But if we lo look on page one, we can already see what works. We can already see what Google finds relevant for that specific keyword. So we can actually use a very scientific mindset of build, measure, learn, and then play and experiment with what we're currently seeing on page one, see if we can make it better, see if we can tweak it more, and then outperform the existing content. That's, that's really interesting because I think a lot of times we look at page one and we look at the results. But honestly, in, in dealing with a lot of these different projects and talking to a lot of SEOs, I don't hear a lot of people say, well, let's actually look at the top results and see why they're ranking, right? I think people typically try to go to, well, it doesn't matter what they're doing, it matters how many links they have, right? So I'm going to go look at their link graph and try to copy that or try to beat that, or I'm going to try to get more traction and more support. But I think it's a really good point you hit on. That, you know, if you're looking at what's already ranking, that's what Google thinks should be there. Absolutely. And if you look in terms of ranking factors, like one thing that's almost always going to correlate is links. You're exactly right there. I mean, a link is an upvote in Google. It's a massive sign of authority. But that being said, if your link profile is amazing and your content and on-page SEO is really deficient, I still don't think you're going to be as successful as if you get your content and on-page SEO right. And if you think about the effort it takes you, you know, to email 100 people, ask them for a guest post, build a link, or, you know, getting the on-page SEO and the content right on your own website, I do think people are underestimating the leverage and impact that a good on-page SEO strategy can have. And this is why looking at um, page one from a very technical perspective is so interesting. It's looking at things like, you know, what's the average word count on page one? How many images and videos are people using? How many subheadlines are they using? Um, what kind of keywords and LSI and variations are they using and how often? And so you realize that some, like I said, mundane tasks like updating page titles and headline is still ultimately relevant or keyword in URL. So um, you can just make that part of your habit kind of like uh, using data-driven decisions to turn your beautiful content piece into something that Google really likes too. So, and, um, so this, yeah. this is interesting because it, it, for listeners who are listening as well, I mean, you're not somebody who's just reading this or, or hearing about it or guessing from a kind of cons, you know, conceptual level. This is something you test on a regular basis. You've actually ranked pages with Laurel Ipsum you know, number one in Google, right? With absolutely no yeah. real content whatsoever, just a couple of keywords placed in the right places and some totally. some some work. So this is something that you you test a lot with. So anybody listening, this is you know really rare in the SEO space for people to actually test and, and, and yeah. figure out what works. And and so I really just wanted to emphasize that. But but let's kind of like can, wrap. can I can I can yeah, I quickly jump into yeah, that one yeah. just, just, just for a second. So firstly. I do. It does really work. Like ranking a well on-page SEO optimized lower Ipsum page really, really works well. And I actually recommend everyone to have a play with it and test it just for the fun of it. But I can't take credit for that. I actually learned that concept from Kai Roof and he's been doing it for many years and showing it in talks and workshops. And I just did that. I was like, huh, does that work? Is there a trick behind this? Is there magic behind it? I just wanted to see it for myself. And it actually does. Um, and I replicated it many times and I showed it in talks and workshops as well. Just want to make sure that 
credit grows where credit is due. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but uh, you know, I agree. It's great to give credit, but it's also really good to kind of take those things and test them yourself. And even, you know, yeah. so I think it's really viable. I think it's really good for, for people to know that, like, you've actually tested this. It's not just a fear, yeah. right? Um, but, uh, but Absolutely. And I tested it based on the same premises, right? So there's a lot of um, kind of like tools that allow you to make data-driven decisions that allow you to analyze page one. Um, they're called correlational SEO because they correlate what those pages on page one are doing right. And basically, I just use the lorem ipsum that you can take from the internet and then basically put my keywords in the spots where the tools told me it needed to be in order to be competitive, uploaded it. It was an orphan page on my agency website, totally unrelated, and it started ranking. So, so this is really an interesting observation to make. And I honestly recommend everyone to try it out because so what, what it's going to turn your SEO world upside down. What, what correlation SEO tools are you using? I mean, people are going to want to know that type of stuff, right? They're going to be sitting in a position where they're like, okay, I want to go try this. What tools really off the cuff would you kind of recommend using? As, are you asking me which one's the best tool? I can tell you it depends on who you are. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you are, because we're talking about content and content creation, so if you are doing the content marketing, the editorial planning, or if you're writing the content, I would recommend you to probably look at Page Optimizer Pro or SEO Surfer. They're both really, really new tools. They're, each of them is like a year or two old. And basically what they, what they do is um, you plug in your website and your target keyword, and then um, you choose competitors that are similar to yours. So if you're a blog, you choose other blogs that are successfully ranking on page one. If you're an e-commerce product page, you're choosing the more successful e-commerce product pages. And then basically you let the tools do the math to figure out what those websites have that your page doesn't have, which means you're not having an SEO strategy for every keyword but you have a keyword-specific, page-specific SEO strategy, and you can optimize that specific page for what Google favors for that specific keyword. And that's really, really interesting because it's very precise, very granular, and it goes more um, in this, what we all, everything that we discussed, and this idea of working deep, working precise, instead of just spamming out content and seeing what stays. Absolutely. I mean, this 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 is one of those areas that is, you know, it's 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 really complicated, but it's a matter of looking at small steps, right? And so, you know, kind of recapping a little bit of what we discussed, um, we talked about, you know, really getting the company and the brand involved in understanding what you want to write about, what what really resonates with you as a brand, and what do you think your customers work with. We talked about really looking at what people are searching for, doing keyword research looking at, specifically reiterating, looking at what's already ranking and taking the time to look at that. That's also a lot of what people are doing for the, the quick answers, like the instant answers on Google, right? Uh, a Absolutely. lot of times people are looking at, okay, well, if that answer is ranking number one and I'm sitting down at number three, how do I incorporate that and expand a little bit? So it's kind of being done in different areas, but it should definitely be done in a keyword research kind of you know, um, establishing what, what you need to include into your content. And then lastly, really looking at the algorithm, really looking at, you know, um, the, the factors. So I did want to ask one last follow-up question, um, and then I think sure. we'll, go, we'll go ahead and wrap up. And that's that, you know, a lot of people are going to be listening to this and they're going to say, look, I can understand what I think my customers need to, to, you know, to read about for my product. 
and I can go look at the top you know pages and see some variations and I can look at maybe what they're doing a little bit better and I can think about keyword research and do some keyword research but when it comes to like looking at the page elements from an algorithmic standpoint can you tell me like maybe two or three things that you think are kind of the low-hanging fruit the initial starting point um, is it on page? Is it getting some links? Is it you know internal linking? Like, what is the areas that you would recommend listeners to kind of get started on if they're if they're still kind of in a novice place? Right. Um, let, let's let's say you have a content piece already, right, and it's ranking semi well, and you're thinking, you know, what could I do to improve this? And um, given you chose a smart target keyword, which is actually achievable for you, I do think an on-page SEO update is kind of the first thing that I would be doing. So plugging it in one of the correlational SEO tools and seeing if you can put, if, you know, if you forgot your keyword to put your keyword into the subheadlines, if you forgot to put your keyword in the page title, and then just update that because that's something that's quick and efficient. You can do that today. It's going to take you 10 minutes for a content piece, and you know it's going to have a significant boost in relevance. And after that, you probably have to wait a little bit because it might take anything between, you know, two days or 20 days to actually get the improvements. And then, for example, what a tool like Page Optimizer does, or also a big, big, big tool, uh, which is called Quora, is they actually also tell you, you know, the amount of images you're supposed to have, the amount of subheadlines you have supposed to have. And when you think about that, that sounds really technical. But, but basically what they're doing is they're also telling you how to make it more readable, you know, um, more well-structured. So all these easy on-page SEO updates would be my first step. And then actually, secondly, I would look at internal links. Um, same with the same logic as before. Achie attaining a backlink is so hard. Attaining an internal link is very easy. So I would probably look a little bit at internal page rank and if there are some links from, you know, supporting or topically relevant pages that you can send um, to your target page. And if nothing, if the, if the page is really stuck and it's not clear why, sometimes it's lacking, you know, other content pieces that are topically relevant and you might want to look at writing a few shorter supporting pieces as well. And then normally I do backlink strategy um, parallel to that or after that. Um, but very, very targeted. I never really throw backlinks in masses at the homepage without, you know, a specific goal in mind. I normally do very targeted backlink building to specific pages that I want to rank for and where I have a rough understanding what the competitors are doing. And I would, I would just toss in it, honestly, from a link building standpoint, the best success I've really seen these days is just taking the time to really build a piece of content that's worthy of links, right? And that comes down... Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I use the... Um, the Invisalign example, Invisalign ran a small survey with their users and they were like, did you feel happier after you got Invisalign? How much, you know, how many you know, percent more people smiled, right? So there's all these like right. somewhat silly kind of statistics out there, but nobody else has ever done a study like that. So Invisalign today, right. years later, gets links all the time because they have to reference back to this study that they did about people being happier after having their teeth straight. So, you know, come up with an area Come up with an area, do a survey, make the data, put the graphs together, put the information there. And, and a lot of times you can get tons of links for, for half the, the, the price, if, if not more. That's why I usually prefer writing one really, really good piece 
over five really cheap ones. Yeah. But then again, it really also depends. If you're a really young site, it's a little bit different. But if you have a somewhat established site, you're normally way better writing one really good piece and giving it some love. Yeah, and I love the point you made about writing supportive content. I don't think, I think we look at each piece of content as being its own winner. And I think if you looked at it as saying, here's a winner and here's a bunch of supporting content behind it, I think that, that that's really smart and I think that's a great point. Um, and with that, I'm going to say thank you so much for coming uh, on. Uh, I do want to just let you share a little bit about where people can find you. I'm sure that a lot of people are going to have questions and uh, you're, you're a fountain of knowledge. So please uh, let me know where people can find you, where can they follow you, how can they get in touch with you, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you so much. It, it has been a lot of fun and I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, it's really a topic that um, I love to have the discussion, that I love the inspiration. So yeah, if anyone has questions, my agency is called flow-seo.com or you can find me, Viola Eva, on LinkedIn, um, on Search Engine Journal or on Facebook. And that's Flow SEO. I think there was a little bit of a uh, bobble on the audio. It's Flow SEO. It's flow-seo.com, correct? Yes, that's, that is absolutely correct. Perfect. Thanks, Viola. I really appreciate you joining the show. And uh, we'll have a recap up soon with all the uh, information in there. For everybody who's listening, check you know, the site. There is a post that will come along with this. And I'll try to throw in the article about ranking the Ipsum. I'll try to throw in some of these tools. I'll try to throw in some of the resources so that you can find them there. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you very much. Cheers. Have a beautiful day and happy ranking. <laughs>